Welcome back to your home inspector training. I am Garth Haslam, the home medic. The subject this time around is an interesting one for a home inspector. Now, I've mentioned before, as a home inspector, you are expected to know everything about everything. And the subject this time around is snakes. Now, at first thought, it's why does a home inspector need to know about snakes? But you are going to be up in attics. You're going to be down in crawl spaces. You're going to be wading through some, let's just call it exterior landscaping. Ivy is one of my favorite things to go walking through. And if you don't know your way around snakes, in addition to the electrical, plumbing, heating, cooling, roof, insulation, ventilation, structure, blah, blah, blah. If you don't know your way around snakes, it may not matter how much you know your way around electrical because you could find yourself smack dab square with a career ender, land yourself in the hospital, and then have to find a wheelchair job if you're that lucky. So let's go ahead and get started with snakes. There's a couple of different kinds generally in the United States. You got your coral snakes and the pit vipers. Now the coral snakes are generally water-based as the name may indicate and they're most likely to be found in states, you know, where you have an ocean or something like the Mississippi River nearby. You've got, well, let's go here first. The venom is a neurotoxin, which means that death is likely if you don't get help. Neurotoxin, without me trying to pretend that I know what a neurotoxin is, you know, it goes after your nervous system. On a coral snake, generally you've got bands. You've got red, yellow, and black. And you also have a king snake, which is not a coral snake, and the king snake is harmless. So the way to tell the difference, there's a little phrase, red touch yellow, kill a fellow, red touch black, friend of Jack. So if you got red touching yellow, you got the coral snake, and it can kill you. If you got red touching black, then that's a king snake, and it's not a problem. Now that only, that little phrase only applies in the United States. You get other countries and the rule, the poem, can be incorrect. So be aware of that. So if you really want to know where this coral snake is, you've got the North Carolina through Florida space along the southern part of the Atlantic coast. You've got along the Mississippi River, like I mentioned, and then on the Gulf side, you go Texas to Louisiana, but we also have them in Arizona. Now, Arizona, of course, doesn't have any ocean front, but they seem to like to be there anyway. As I go through the research, there are always comments about how somebody saw a snake in an area that's not listed in other parts of the research. You're going to want to have that information available to you. Maybe you live in northern Idaho. It's still entirely possible that somebody has their own snake collection, and then for whatever reason, maybe one gets out or whatever. So a snake that shouldn't be there, for whatever the reason may be, you still need to have that sort of information in your background. So that's coral snakes. Now you've got pit vipers as well. You've got the rattlesnakes, the cottonmouth, and the copperhead. In the area that I live, the west, we really only have rattlesnakes. And the rule that I use is that if it doesn't rattle, you're generally okay. If you live in a similar sort of an area, and of course you've got to do your own research on this too, consider yourself lucky. The cottonmouth and the copperhead definitely have a lot more attitude and a lot more venom to them 
than the rattlesnake. And we're going to talk about all the above. So characteristics of a snake is that they usually only bite when they're provoked. (laughs) But provoked can mean a number of things. For example, I have a friend who, she was down at a lake. It's about six hours south of where I live. Beautiful lake, gorgeous scenery, but it's kind of out there in the middle of nowhere. And they stepped out of the boat. It was about midnight. They were just barely getting to their camp, and they stepped out. She didn't know it, but she stepped directly on a snake. And the snake did what was called a dry bite, where it was just defending itself. It was saying, hey, hey, you stepped on me, and I don't appreciate it. So it bit her to get her off, and then it took off. So them not knowing what had just happened other than she got bit by a snake, they thought that she was liable to lose her life or limb. And the next thing they did is they went and chased the snake to find out, you know, what it was and kill it and bring it back. We're going to talk about all the above, but it turned out that, like I say, it was just a dry bite. Something I would like you to understand. Now, I've mentioned in other segments on critters that critters are fairly predictable. They're looking for food and shelter. Similarly, an adult snake who's been around the block once understands that his venom is his dinner. And if he burns all of his venom on you, he doesn't get to eat dinner. So the adult snakes are going to be a little bit careful with that. And they're going to do more dry defensive bites. Whereas a baby, they're going to unload on you. And it doesn't matter. They don't understand. So the smaller snakes can actually be considerably more dangerous than the adult ones. Then again, you've got the adult snakes that have to feed the babies from time to time. It's kind of like human. We've got to watch out for the babies and see what stupid thing they do and try and prevent them from killing themselves. Not that different. Your snakes are going to have heat-sensitive organs, and they can bite accurately even in the dark. Don't require the eyeballs to work like us. So just be aware of that. If it's nighttime, the snake has a huge advantage on you. Okay, let's create a scenario where let's say that you are in a crawl space and there you are, you know, it's 18 inches, maybe it's two feet deep. You're crawling around in this crawl space and you just crawled past maybe a couple of nasty spiders, a black widow or two, and maybe a funnel web spider. And let's assume for a moment that you were prepared for that. Then as you're going around the crawl space, you run into perhaps, let's say it's a rattlesnake. Obviously, you know, this is not a scenario you want to do because you're down on all fours. You really can't move very fast. I want this scenario to sink in carefully into your brain so that it remains on your radar forever. You know, as you're down there, there's some dangers going on. And it can also happen in attic spaces. A critter, again, it's looking for food and shelter, and a crawl space can be a nice combination of both, especially for snakes. If there's mice down there, maybe there's food that's feeding the mice, and then if there's mice down there, you're going to have snakes following the mice. And then you go down there, and then the snakes start unappreciating you. So, yeah, have this on your radar. Now, if there's grains in a particular area, maybe you're doing an inspection out on a farm sort of space where there's a grain shed or something like that, and you've got a thousand mice, you know that you're going to have a number of snakes as well, some of which have the ability to disinvite you permanently. 
mouse condos. You can have rocks. Maybe, you know, if you've got loose rocks that have been climbed over, sometimes they're used for landscaping because, you know, those big old two, three, four foot rocks are beautiful. They're done right. You got that sort of thing that makes nice shelter for both mice and snakes. Wood piles, same sort of thing. Now, I was in Costa Rica a couple of years ago, and we were going to go do the zip lines. It was interesting driving through because, you know, they took us through these huge, uh, I want to call it a forest area, but I guess it's more like an orchard where they had, I don't know how many tens of thousands of trees, and I don't know if they were palms or coconuts or what they were, but the point of the story was that you had a lot of workers that would chop off the branches and then just leave those temporarily near the base of the tree in a pile. And so what would happen is the snakes would use that pile of tree limbs for a shelter. And then as the workers were cleaning those up later on, now you've got these nasty vipers or, you know, whatever they are. Let's call them all vipers, should we? you got these all these nasty snakes that now all of a sudden they're being disturbed and the first thing you're going to want to do is bite one of these workers' hands or feet. It becomes a very nasty proposition and dangerous for those workers. And, of course, you got those piles all over the place. So it's not just Costa Rica that has places like branch piles that, that a snake can live in. You're going to see that at many of the homes that you inspect, and as you do so, just be aware there may be a, an unhappy surprise inside there, so you're going to want to do so carefully, if at all, I guess, is the other point. Your PPE, personal protective equipment for dealing with anything like that, is going to be at minimum boots and gloves. If you're down in a crawl space, obviously a suit can help you, but that's going to be mostly for spiders, etc., I'm thinking that, you know, just a simple chem suit is certainly not going to protect you from the bite of a rattlesnake, etc. So, best protective equipment is your brain, and you just don't want to put yourself in a scenario where you're stumbling across areas where you're liable to get bit. I want to go into some of the particular types of snakes that you might be running into. The first of them that I want to cover is the copperhead. Now it's the most common you know, it's the most common venomous bite. So you know, you get bit, chances are that it was a copperhead. It's painful, and that may be an understatement depending on what your experience is. But they rarely have a threat to human life. They rarely pose that threat. You're going to find the copperhead anywhere from Massachusetts to Texas. And then you include in their range maybe Nebraska and the southeast like Alabama, Georgia, Florida, etc. Copperhead, it was well named. The head is very much copper colored. And like I say, it is a venomous bite. You're going to want to be careful about that. But it could be worse. You know, you could be bitten by some of these others. Then we've got the coral snake. And we've already kind of talked about that one. It's in a category of its own. My understanding is that it, it started in a place that you might have already guessed, the coral, meaning the ocean. And it does very well there, but it can certainly live on land. And again, you'll find the coral snake in areas that border oceans. So it's a neurotoxin. Like I mentioned, I'm going to hit this again. The phrase is red touch yellow, kill a fellow, red touch black, friend of Jack. So if it's red touching black, might be a king snake. And king snakes are okay. 
and two for the coral snake along the Mississippi River. But, you know, just be careful. Now, the cottonmouth is another one. You know, as I was doing some of my research to make sure I was filling around the corners on this, cottonmouth, from every corner I keep hearing that that cottonmouth is aggressive, to put it mildly. This is the one that will chase you. There is quite a discussion as to whether it will actually drop from a tree onto you or into your boat just to try and take you out. The experts say that it's basically maybe dropping from the tree because it hears you and it's trying to get away from you. Others are saying, no, I have a lot of experience and it was coming after me. So, you know, I'm not here to tell you what the answer to that question is, but let's just say the cottonmouth is nasty. It will definitely protect its young. And if they get pissed off, and they seem to get pissed off often and easily, they will come after you and the bite can be fatal. So cottonmouth, the reason why it's called that is as it opens up, as it, as it goes to gape, the mouth itself is going to be a cotton color. Similar to some of the other snakes I've talked about, you go generally southeast, Virginia to Florida, Texas to Missouri, that sort of area. You know, if, again, if you live in California or North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, you're not going to have the cottonmouth there unless somebody brought it there and, and, you know, and it's out for a particular reason. Still have to have it on your radar. Finally, the rattlesnake. Now, it is all over the United States. It is capable of a deadly bite, and like I'd mentioned earlier, it rattles. So, again, unless you've surprised it, maybe it was sleeping, you stepped on it, you'll get a rattle to notify you that you are not welcome. So what I tell people in my area where I don't have the cotton mouth or the coral snake or the copperhead or any of those, I just tell people, look, you know, if it's a snake and if it doesn't rattle, you're probably okay. All kinds of snakes, they're the only thing that can burrow down into a mouse hole and clean up the mice in an area. So if you've got a homeowner that kills the snakes, they're a lot more likely to have mice. And mice can certainly kill and injure people a lot more than snakes ever could attempt to. You know, the mouse feces, the hantavirus, etc. It's better to have the snakes and less mice than the other way around. Now, that may mess with some homeowners' heads, but that is the case. So if it doesn't rattle and you're not in the southeast corner of the country, maybe you tell them to put up with it, at least that they have some very advantageous characteristics that most homeowners do want. You know, those are the four kinds you're going to want to be careful about. Again, more research on your own if you live in the southeast corner of the country. Medical, you know, let's say that you do get bit. What you're going to want to do, first off, stay calm, and you might have heard to cut the wound and suck it out. Don't and don't. Don't cut the wound, don't suck it out. You remain calm, you let that venom stay right where it is. You don't want to open the wound up so that it can move around. You want to keep the wound clean. So if anything, maybe you just wash the surface area with soap and water because you don't need the infection to happen. It can be helpful for a doctor to know what kind of snake it was, but most antivenoms assume that you don't know anyway. So whether or not you know the type of snake that bit you, chances are pretty good that the antivenom that you get 
will be a mixture of all of the above because the doctor doesn't know that you know. And again, maybe you really didn't know. So the anti-venom should cover it. You don't have to spend time and energy going and chasing the snake to identify and or kill. So don't bother. You know, it, it might be helpful if you can look at it quickly, but... Yeah, don't go burning time on that. You just want to go to the doctor's office. While I was doing one of my inspections, I had a seller that was hanging around who, at the time, he actually got bit by a black widow about the same time that I was doing my home inspection. He didn't know it, and he didn't respect it. It was on his knee, and he just kept working. And uh, as a result of not going to the doctor, he almost lost his leg. I found that out later on. So, good lesson. You get bit. Even if you think it's a dry bite, you're done with your inspection. You can finish that later. You need to keep yourself alive. You need to keep your limbs in place. There's not any client in the world that's going to expect you to keep doing your inspection just as a sign of manly manness. Take care of yourself. You can always find somebody else to do it, even if you are in the hospital for the next month. Okay, wound care. Wash the bite with soap and water. Don't suck it. Don't cut it. Don't do a tourniquet. No reason to do a tourniquet. No ice. Don't immerse the thing in water. And by all means, don't drink alcohol or caffeine. Of the deaths that happen, in many cases, there's a mixture of alcohol, especially. You get some dude who's drunk and he's playing around with a snake, maybe a rattler or whatever, so the rattler gets tired of it. He bites this drunk guy, and now you've got a mixture of a pissed-off snake with a lot of venom that's happening, and the alcohol just makes it worse. You know, by all means, don't add to the problem after you've been bit by loading up on alcohol or caffeine. Not a good plan. Like I say, just basically the, the rule is stay calm and maybe keep it clean, but that's about it, and then just go see the doctor. Go directly to the doctor. You know, it kind of sounds like Monopoly. Do not pass go. Do not collect your inspection fee. Just go to the doctor. Another thing you're going to want to do, wherever the bite is, let's say that it's on your hand. Maybe you were dipping down. Maybe you were going after a hose bib. You know, here's a scenario. Maybe you were, you had your hand in maybe a window well. If you're inspecting, for example, in the West where there's a lot of basements and you're trying to lift, I don't know, sagebrush or the tumbleweeds out of a window well, you got that sort of thing going, you're going to have the bite on your hand. You want to have that bite, as you're going to the doctor, you want to have the bite below your heart. So the rule there is don't try to elevate it, have it as low as possible. Again, the thing to remember is to keep the venom in that space where it's at without allowing it to travel to the rest of your body you know, any more than your body's already going to do it. Again, why is this important? Oh, you can tell by now that it would be a career ender to be bit by a snake. You know, I guess there's a lot more, or at least by a venomous snake, there's a lot of ways to end your career, and some of them are directly related to what you would expect a home inspector to know. For example, if you miss a furnace and it doesn't work at all or whatever, or somebody's got to replace, that's going to be a couple thousand dollars that you're going to be expected to participate on. 
And it's going to cost you clients. It's going to damage your reputation. It's going to affect the realtors who might have been referring you out. And that's not good, but if you get bit by a snake, you know, that's a whole different level of career ender. So, again, you've got to know a thousand things about a thousand things, but don't be without this information about snakes. So, you've already done this research, you've listened to this podcast, and that's great. You might want to just pass this information along to others around you who you know, who are your friends, who are home inspectors. Make sure they have this part of their radar covered. Nobody needs to be ejected from the game because of a snake bite. Okay, homemedicusa.com if you have more information. We'll have some discussions about snakes as well as a thousand other things there on the website. Be a great inspector. Take care of your clients. Make sure they don't get bit by snakes. Go out there. Make me proud.